Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you happen to be right now. This is your host, Magnus Hedemark of the Neuroverse podcast. If you were with us last week, you heard about how two autistic women were dealing with COVID-19 and the stay-home orders. We're going to push a little farther into the Neuroverse this week, and we're going to speak with uh, someone whose who's photography work I've been following for some time, and uh, you may have seen him on a number of television shows like Employable Me. Uh, this week, our guest is Paul Stevenson. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the show. Hi. How are you doing? Thank you for inviting me as well. It's it's really great to have you here. Uh, I've been enjoying the photography that you share on on social media. It's really lovely work, and I feel when I'm looking at it, it's uh, very calming, very soothing. So I appreciate it. I'd uh, it, it's well, it's a, it's that, I'm glad it comes across that way because uh, my <laughs> photography. Uh, I stumbled across my wife and well suggested that in order to start getting out socially, because when my Tourette's were diagnosed 10 years ago, I just used to stay at home because I was embarrassed. I didn't know how to integrate into society back again. I was aware that I was very disruptive with my tics. But when I picked a camera up, uh, it took me to a creative zone <clears throat> and I got respite from my Tourette's by being creative and taking photography and then a bonus of being able to get outside the house and build up a life again. <clears throat> That's brilliant. So Paul, a lot of our listeners are probably familiar with autism or are autistic themselves. Uh, I am autistic. A lot of us don't know within the neurodiversity umbrella uh, what Tourette's is, or maybe we think we know what it is, but I think there are probably a lot of common misconceptions about what Tourette's is and isn't. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, uh, what you run into commonly? Uh, well, the, the stats here in the UK are about one in 100 people who will be <coughs> living with Tourette's, affected by Tourette's syndrome. There's uh, 10%, and I dare, I dare say, stretch that a bit more, uh, of coprolalia. <laughs> which is something that people will be more familiar with because that's what the media likes to portray that everyone with Tourette's has <clears throat> the swearing condition. Is that like a and, cliche? Well, yeah. Uh, if you see any movies, uh, all the documentaries seem to want to focus on uh, <clears throat> coprolalia and the swearing and how it affects and shocks people, which you understand they, they want to put bottoms on seats in the cinema and they want to take you on a roller coaster ride in the documentaries. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that we're, we're a small percentage, say 300,000 in the UK, and out of that maybe 10, 15, 20% have copper. Uh, and the ticks really are just the tip of the iceberg. So my main focal point is trying to raise awareness and <coughs> break down that stigma by talking to people about the ticks. Well, <coughs> Great. So um, I know... For autism, um, a, a lot of us uh, show the signs of being autistic from a very early age. How does Tourette's manifest, and at what age? Um, I, well, I, I know of families whose children have been displaying tics 
ever since the parents can remember. Uh, a lot of the families don't get a chance to get diagnosed, the kids diagnosed in <coughs> grade 9, 10, approaching teenage years. Myself, uh, people of my generation, I'm 57. Uh, so I grew up, was born in the 60s, educated in the 60s and 70s. And I had, uh, I didn't have Tourette's syndrome back then, or ADHD, or OCD, or sensory processing. <laughs> I had naughty boy syndrome, as what they called it. So that's how, how, how people took it, that I was just a disruptive child. So I didn't get a diagnosis. I just got disciplined quite a lot in school. That sounds familiar to me too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't diagnosed until much, much older. Uh, yeah. So this is blowing my mind a little bit. The, the, the ticks didn't manifest until later. Is that right? Well, I I can remember back. Once I got my diagnosis, Magnus, it was absolutely fantastic. <clears throat> and I'm a big advocate on getting diagnosed. Yes. And being diagnosed isn't a label in a negative sense. It's, it's a mitigation, it's an understanding for us. For me, it was a map for my journey from diagnosis, but also to be able to look back at my life and understand myself uh, and to get rid of the negative labels hey, that I was given, which were lazy, good for nothing, disruptive, inherently evil, lots and lots of negative things. And honestly and truthfully, Magnus, hey, <coughs> we couldn't stop being who we were as kids. Uh, but those labels, they stick. And right. rather than us understanding ourselves, we I used to think I was lazy. Uh, why uh, why can I only stick to a job for about 24 months and then want to move on and lose interest? Uh, you know, why do, why did I not understand social, social situations? Uh, because I'm antisocial, because I'm aggressive. And there's lots and lots of different things that people gave me these labels and they stuck with me. But upon diagnosis, age 46, uh, uh, it, I didn't just start with ticks then, but they, they came out as a as a whole, you know, like full-blown, and the coccolalia came on. But looking back when I was younger, hey, I used to touch my nose, sniff, make little grimaces with all my eyes. Uh, I had a severe tick where my legs collapsed, uh, and I've had like six or seven operations because they're trying to sort something out orthopedically that really was a neurological right. issue. Anyway, so this I isn't was, just the words coming out of your mouth. This is your whole body is part yeah. of this, right? Yeah. It, this is the thing. <clears throat> Everybody see, hears the, the, the vocal, uh, but there's a, lots and lots of people. There's no such thing as mild Tourette's, but some people have mild tics, but it doesn't stop. You know, like I said, they're just the tip, the tip. <laughs> Excuse me. The tip of the iceberg. There's lots more going on behind Tourette syndrome than just what you can see and what you can hear. So well, you mentioned um, something that's very familiar to me as well: the idea that it's hard to stay in one job for very long. Can you can you walk us a bit through some of the high and low points of your professional career and kind of where does that leave you today? Well. I've done so, so many different jobs. Uh, I At school, I was put, in the last two years, I was in remedial class, which, you know, with kids that couldn't read and write, not, not saying that in a judgmental way for whatever reasons or conditions they were living with back in the 60s and 70s. I was told that I would never amount to anything by my, 
one of the head teachers, they said that there was two other guys with me. And they said, you three boys will spend most of your adult life in prison. And it's like, no, like pat on the back and good luck, guys. So the other two guys have unfortunately been in prison a lot. Uh, but myself, I started off working in a scrapyard, chopping plastic with an axe in a pl plastic reclamations yard. Uh, and I lasted about 18 months and I was absolutely bored. So I used to attain to high things, but could once I'd achieved them, couldn't maintain them. And I didn't know why. So I've been a driver. I've worked in factories. I've done a lot of manual labor. Uh, I was a rep for an oil company and I couldn't, the, the pressure was so intense for sales. I started to experience a lot more ticks around that time, but I didn't know there were ticks. So I couldn't put a number on how many jobs I had, but they're very, very varied. <laughs> and uh, like I said, I, I, I attained high levels. I, like, I worked for a company called Crown Paints, which was part of the holdings PLC. And I remember being able to, to memorize, not purposefully, but memorized all the codes for the products that they did. And I had a thing with numbers. These are things I didn't, I, had, I didn't discover until I got my diagnosis. And then I remembered that I could remember a code book. People used to come to me, Paul, what's such and such a color, such and such a size, what's the code for it? So we could put it into the computer. And I just ran these numbers and uh, letters off. Do you think there's and, a correlation? I'm sorry to interrupt. Do you think there's a sorry. correlation between that ability that you were showing and, well, I, and the Tourette's? I, I honestly think, you know, people say the superpowers that we've got, but, you know, on the neurodiverse and also the, the autistic spectrum, there's so much, the brain is fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And I, the ability, one thing with Tourette's syndrome, like I, I, I believe now we never forget things. It's just the ability to recall things. So, hey, <clears throat> with my Tourette's, I can be doing a, a pub quiz or a general knowledge quiz and I usually go off what my ticks shout out first time because they've, they've got this ability to unfilter thought. So if do you understand where I'm going with this? Yeah, thing? this is, this is brilliant. So the, the, the ticks kind of help you to, to recall the memory that well, might be elude the rest of us. Cause I think every, the thing is some of my ticks, I'll shout things out that I would have done when I were a kid. And I think where the, like I've got a, a tick that says 50p, right? So like just say 50 cents in over in your country. Uh, and people say, how tall are you? And my tick will go, 50p. Now, I thought it's so deeply embedded is this 50 pence. Where has it come from? So I started to think back and look. And I super analyzed stuff, Magnus. And I remember a song by the Boomtown Rats. Uh, and what part of the lyrics is, Deep down in her pocket, she finds 50p. Hey, that in a place where you go to be. Now, it was one of my favourite songs. Now, and my spending money round about that time was 50p. So certain things get stuck in, but to the ticks. So for instance, we're doing a, we, there's a quiz going on in a pub. And uh, the question was, what's the lightest boxing weight? So everybody's going feather, feather. And I went, stop! <laughs> and nobody written it down because they thought, oh, that's Paul just ticking. Right. Anyway, the lightest boxing weight apparently came back as straw. Now, wow. I'm not, 
I'm not, I, I do like boxing, but I've obviously heard that somewhere and it's just gone down. Just came from out of nowhere. So I've got this thing. Wouldn't it be great if we could tap into that, uh, you know, ability to recall those things. Uh, but sadly, Tourette's is very mischievous. And, well, my Tourette's is mischievous. I, I could imagine if employers could be more accepting and accommodating to the tics that this fantastic memory recall uh, could provide uh, an advantage to any business that, that could adapt to your needs. Uh, is, is that something you've thought about or had any success with, with past employers? Well, when uh, <clears throat> my condition is so, is very unpredictable. So it affects my, it affects walking. Uh, I dislocate my shoulders with motor tics on my knees on my back. And <clears throat> I don't know when these things are going to happen. Uh, so that creates more of a, a bad position. So a lot of stuff I do is online. Uh, when when the, I make hay while the sun shines, so when everything's right with myself and my tics, I'll do more. Uh, so I'll go into schools and I'll talk to people. And I think the fact that I'm, I live with this condition and I'm an adult, adult with this condition, I can articulate to teachers, to parents, and also I've been doing it with em, employers. And uh, as we spoke about before, my main focus is to, to gain acceptance. Uh, and once I feel once we've achieved this acceptance, uh, things will be a lot easier for, for us and our employers will be able to utilize our skills and qualities. Uh, so that is what I, I really want to push forward. <laughs> so with much of the world staying at home right now and uh, those who are in positions that can be performed from remote locations are, are working from home. I'm, I'm wondering if there's opportunity uh, across the Tourette's community to find better employment opportunities where uh, like the ticks aren't going to be a distraction uh, to, to coworkers or to managers. It's no longer anything that um, might stand out in front of and distract others from the the great talent that can be brought to the table. I, I'm wondering if, if you're hearing a lot in the community about that. Well, I, th I think the uh, the lockdown, <clears throat> this is something unprecedented in our, our lifetimes. And I think this lockdown, uh, there's a lot of disadvantages. A lot of people have lost their lives. Loved ones have been unwell. Uh, but as always, as human beings, we look for positives in things. Uh, as to how we can move forward. And I think we'll discover a lot more from <clears throat> our abilities and what we are able to do in society, because we've had to rely on uh, Zoom meetings, we've had to rely on the internet to uh, carry on businesses. People were, a lot more people working remotely. And I just think it's part of like a social evolution where I've got a feeling that a lot of this will carry on through into everyday life. Uh, I think as far as the distractions and the disruptions uh, comes down with Tourette's syndrome, <clears throat> comes down to there's a lot of dis <clears throat> to people's understanding of Tourette's syndrome. So, for instance, one of the talks I do in schools to the teachers, and they'll say, little Johnny is very disruptive in class with his tics. So while it's a condition, it's a neurological condition that he can't deal, he can't control, we still find it disruptive in class. So I then put back to the people, and this applies in the workplace as well, 
that how many disruptions are there going on aside from little Johnny? Right, you've got doors banging, you've got the sound of projectors uh, coming away, you've got lights that are flashing yes. so fast. Uh, you've got what's what sort of noise do they call it? Uh, I can't think. Of it, it's not ambient, uh, but I mean, there's machines whirring away, there's fans in the room, like hard chairs on the floor and things like yeah, that. Chairs being moved. Yeah. But those disruptions, we accept. And the reason we accept them is because we understand them and we know what they are. And they're, they're every day part of our, our workplace or our school place. Now, why can't we accept little Johnny's ticks, his coughs, his whistles? When he whistles, fair enough, you, you look, but, well, that's Johnny's tick. And this is the sort of thing, let's not, let's try and stop viewing them as dis- disruptive right. and, and understanding. I don't know if that makes sense. It's no, I think it's beautiful and it's brilliant. And as an autistic person, I can definitely identify with that. All those things you were naming are things that drive me up the wall personally and make it almost impossible for me to work from a traditional office environment. Yeah. They're asking you to work in a hostile environment. <clears throat> exactly. I'd, well, my son uh, is <clears throat> autistic and while it, the, the process of his diagnosis were going on, we had to take him to some therapy, art therapy, because he wanted to understand where he's got selective mutism. Is this caused by some sort of trauma or is this part of the condition of him being autistic? So we went to this uh, office and the guy, lovely guy, he said, I've tried to make this room as autistic, autism friendly as possible. And I'm like, tangerine? He went, sorry, I went, you've painted the walls tangerine, man. What's that about? He says, what's the problem? And I went, and it absolutely stinks of disinfectant in here. And he's like, right. now, I've, <laughs> unbeknown to him, I've got sensory issues, sensory processing. And to me, I was going into a room where I didn't feel relaxed. I could hear the overhead projector going, mm. yes. and I was feeling, I was on my guard, you know, nearly fight a flight. Uh, so... See, I'm going off on a tangent here. I'm sorry about that. No, I I, I totally identify. Even this room that I'm in now, speaking to you from, Mm. this is my home office. And I've had the chance to treat it for um, all my sensory sensitivities. And yet I'm still distracted by the sound of the ballasts and the LED lights over my head. And I'm distracted by the sound of the cooling fan and there's a light in front of me for Zoom meetings to help yeah. make my face look a little less old. And uh, I, I can hear the cooling fan, and it's a distraction. Yeah. Uh, so I, I can definitely identify with that. But we, we've got to, when we're going into a work environment, we, we're expected to accept all those <coughs> things. Uh, and I just, I think, I wonder whether there's actually a, a job there for, for guys with sensory processing where when people are designing office spaces or designing things, they send people like yourself and myself in, into just say, right, listen, no, that's got to go. That's got to go. <laughs> you know, uh, because I said to the teachers, yes. you're expecting optimum uh, <laughs> work from the children, but yet they're coming into a hostile environment to, you know, and yet they're still giving you the best. Uh, you know, and try and build up a bit of respect from employers and teachers by giving them an insight into what someone with Tourette's or someone with sensory processing 
has to go to before they actually get to the place of work and then expected to perform when they're in that place of work. So I love that. That's, that's, that's really brilliant. If you don't mind a change of direction, I thought we might talk a little bit about some of the misconceptions or, or some of the common questions that would be allies should, should hear about. I think I can imagine that one question you probably get asked a lot and I apologize. I'm going to ask it again. Uh, can you talk a little bit about common medications and why you might or might not want to take them for Tourette's symptoms? Uh, well, yeah, because I can, I, 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 at this point, I'll say I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm not medically trained in any way. I've lived with this condition all my life. Uh, and through trial and error, <coughs> School of Void Knox, I've picked up different ways of viewing things and therapies and medications that I would be happily to want to do uh, and medications that I wouldn't want to do. Uh, I'm a father of five kids. Uh, 33 year old, 15, 13, 12 and 11. And I, one thing I need to keep about me is my wits uh, and alive uh, and happy and, ed and an educator. Now, the medication that I was offered in the past, the Vogan dop dopamine antagonist, which <laughs> slowed me down, uh, made me like a zombie and I wasn't able to function. Uh, now, they, some of them were successful in quiet, making the ticks a lot quieter, but they didn't take the ticks away. So this is the main problem that when you, for medication, that people see you and they want to shut you up. Let's shut you up. Let's keep him quiet. Mr. and Mrs. such and such, body, your daughter or your son will be a lot better with this medication. They won't have the ticks, but we've got, this is a thing, I'm not anti-medication things for anxiety which is one of my biggest nemesis but and i think medication is good in some circumstances but it's a personal thing a personal journey uh, and like magnus yourself can you function if you was on this medication can you you know and, and that's what we've got to do so right <clears throat> i really don't like people forcing things on people yes but, and also with parents with the children no matter how young the children are they, they, they're entitled to an opinion about medication and the side effects. So. And I, I wonder how much of that push for medication for people like you or me is um, more about increasing the comfort of the people around us rather than increasing yeah. our own uh, quality of life. Yeah, I agree. But I don't think the, cell, the hard cell would be that good when you're at the doctor saying, listen, if you take this medication, you'll make my life a whole lot easier. <laughs> Truth in <laughs> advertising. Like, yeah, they've got to sell it where it's going to be beneficial to us. Now, like I said, sometimes medication, certain medication is beneficial for personal journey. And I don't want to be shut up. I don't want people to make me quiet. I want I want people to accept who I am. Hey. I, I, I agree. I, I think there's, there's probably some things I could be taking and I feel like uh, they dull my mind. Mm. And my mind is my greatest gift. And I'd much rather, exactly. as, as you say, be accepted for who I am as I am. <laughs> so, Can I just say, oh, mind you, no, sorry. Go ahead. No, I thought, I thought no, I'd, uh, I've got another uh, condition, as you, you can see, but you, you listeners won't be able to, and it's uh, essential tremors. Yes. And uh, it's not being able to keep my hands still or my arms still. And I've got to say that when I'm in public, 
I find that more of an embarrassment or harder to deal with than my Tourette syndrome. You know, I'm I'm not ashamed of it, but it's it, it get it seems to get more attention than my tics do, even though my tics are loud. Okay. So, but I would I just thought you might have asked me then because I was just struggling holding a cup. <laughs> I nearly took my cup of tea everywhere. Well, you know, the, the, the brain is a strange and wonderful and complex thing. And I, I'm seeing this more and more that folks with the, the more well-known neurodivergences, such as ADHD or autism or Tourette's, uh, will often have comor- comorbidities with uh, other conditions. Uh, you know, for, for example... Uh, well, not even just conditions, but there's a lot of um, intersectionality yeah. uh, in the autistic community. Like you're more likely to be hard of hearing. I am hard of hearing in the autistic community. You're more likely uh, to identify as uh, LGBTQ. And I do. Uh, and there's, uh, there's a lot in the autistic community around uh, hypermobility conditions. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if, if there's a lot of that in the Tourette's community as well. Yeah, there's, there's lots, the comorbidities. It's like everybody acknowledges that it's not, it's unusual <coughs> if it's a standalone diagnosis that a child will get or an adult. Uh, I've got hypermobility and that's, that's why I'm like, and hey, woo, 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 woo. like I said, I've got OCD and ADHD. Uh, but I, hey, I've just forgot my appointment like this. Can you? So, so we we were talking about intersectionality and um, the Tourette's community, if that's really common in, in the Tourette's community, different comorbidities. Yes, right. Uh, and this this is something that is all part of understanding your journey and understanding uh, there's so many different mixes. Uh, so you've got you might have Tourette syndrome, autism, Tourette syndrome, OCD, or you know, and so on. And this, uh, as well as our personalities, it, this what it, I always say to people, you've met one person with Tourette's syndrome, you've just met one person with Tourette's syndrome. Because there's so many different mixes. Uh, it makes us as individual as, as a fingerprint. And, and, I, and I, <clears throat> I'm getting to understand the other comorbidities that we have. Uh, helps us to understand why we are like we are, I think. <clears throat> so uh, I'd like to know if somebody comes to you and they're just finding out um, that they have uh, been diagnosed with Tourette's or they have a child that's been diagnosed with Tourette's, with the benefit of your hindsight and your life experience, what would you want them to know and understand? That they're not alone. Uh because I, I'm thinking back when I got my diagnosis, I, I was waiting for this day for the consultant to say, you've got Tourette's syndrome. And he said to me, you've got Tourette's syndrome. Here's the door. There may be some medication you want to try. And that was it. I was Otherwise, you were on your own. I were on my own. And because acceptance in yourself with the things that you're doing that your body's doing is a difficult thing and even now i'm thinking why have I, why is, why have i ticked that why have i said that and there's always that self-doubt there so when you've got other people who don't understand it's it's a vicious circle so you get to the point where you don't want to go out uh, my doctor said to me 
you've got the worst case of Tourette syndrome that I've ever seen. Now, I, looking back now, it wasn't a good thing to say to me. You know, I've got Tourette syndrome. It's pretty severe. Your tics are pretty severe. But it was making me more and more isolated, you know, like there were no help. Right. So one of the first things that I did, I sought out other people <clears throat> living with the condition. And I found there were people close by. Uh, I found some lifetime friends. I found other people who had similar tics to me that could give me skills, life skills, ways to deal with Tourette syndrome. And so this is one thing that I like to do when, now, there's a, a, a few years ago, a lady in America uh, messaged on Twitter that her son were having trouble being bullied. I'm not going to detail identify it, but they felt alone. There was no support where they lived. So I said, listen, I'm in, I'm in the UK. I'm here to listen to you. I can't, I, I won't be able to solve your problems. I'm sorry. So while we, we were chatting, I got in touch with a friend of mine who lived in Knox. Is it Knoxville? Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. And I asked him if there were any Tourette's chapters in this location where this lady and her, her family and her son lived. And he said, yeah, up four minutes away, maybe four miles away from where they lived. And I passed that information on. And they knew they weren't alone. They knew there were other people experiencing similar sort of things. So I think that the way forward to move forward after diagnosis is to build up a massive big network, close family, and then let that network grow bigger and bigger so that you've got a great support network around you. That's great. I I know the autistic community has a really lovely online community, very supportive. And I'm wondering, um, is there anything like that? for the Tourette's community online? Uh, how would how would one find their community online? Well, the, the first thing I'd do if I ever come across somebody or someone contacts me is ask where they live uh, or what area they're living. And see, I don't know if this sounds strange or not, when we're helping people, it's not about ownership. Uh, we don't have to do some massive, big, spectacular thing to change someone's life very little small gestures and one of them small gestures is networking and signposting people right. to where they they live because if they phys- you physically want to see other people with this condition uh and I, and I think it's a great gift you can you can do so much uh by doing that change so many people's lives <clears throat> oh. that's that's really great so conversely uh for a lot of the employers out there or shop owners or anybody else in public that might come into contact with folks from the Tourette's community, what do you really want them to come away from this with? What do you want them to understand the most? Uh, that we are who we are, uh, that we're such and such a body. You might have a, a condition. <laughs> uh, we're not a threat to anybody. We're just normal everyday people going about our lives. And all we want is acceptance. And that's what I'd like to come from this, you know, that when someone walks into your shop and they might be blinking or might be <clears throat> coughing, uh, just say hi and ask a question. If, you, if you're confused about anything, I, I mean, a lot of us, have, you know, we're sensitive and some people might say something that hurts our feeling. But I'd rather someone say to me, have you got Tourette syndrome? Uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious I've got Tourette's syndrome because I've got very low ticks. 
but like for the vast majority of people, you know, the, the pretty the ticks are, <clears throat> hey, are maybe quiet and they can suppress some things. But I'd rather someone ask me a question than assume something, or uh, maybe treat me. One thing that I keep when I'm on the telephone talking to somebody, they go, uh, "Do you think you should take time to have a glass of water?" And I went, "No, it's I've got Tourette syndrome." Yeah, but you keep coughing. Yeah, well, it's one of my ways by coughing stops me from shouting out <clears throat> maybe an expletive. Well, right. it, you know, so and, and that gets right on my nerves, but yet they're still being nice. But I, once I explained to him, said, listen, I cough, <clears throat> clear my throat. It's part of me trying to control my Tourette's. So All right. ask a question. If you've got any doubt, ask a question. I'm, I'm sure the vast majority. But from a place of respect, not judgment, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and it, it is a thing. It's like, hey, Magnus, when, when I first used to go out, uh, I come across a guy. I was with my four children. They were very small. And a guy was shielding his kids as I walked past. And I was so, so upset. Uh, it brought a tear to my eye. And I'm like, I'm, I said to my wife, I'm not a threat. But when I look back, he's, he's a father. Right. And a, a big guy's walking down the road shouting, coming out with the F word and this and that. Right. In his position as a father, he, he didn't want to take any risks. So if he, he took the stance of where he was protecting his children. Now, <clears throat> hey, we... If we want acceptance, we've also got to understand how sometimes we may come across <clears throat> to people. And it's a bit of give and take. You know, maybe taking responsibility that I have a tick where I kick out or I throw my arm out. If I'm close to somebody and that tick's present, I'd take a step aside. Now, that's not me apologising for my condition. It's me accepting that I could actually, you know, stop, right. cl clip somebody with my hand. So it's understanding how my Tourette's affect people. So if I'm in a shop, <laughs> so I don't I don't go into banks, I don't go into I don't pay for cash at fuel stations because I walk in and what's the first thing that I shout when I walk in? Armed robbery. Armed robbery. Uh, now, <laughs> <laughs> so what could they, possibly go wrong? <laughs> so it would be wrong for me to get upset if they took evasive action. Right. <laughs> Do you get me? So it's yes. understanding. So I I use everything online or pay at the cash machine, or I pay at the, the petrol pump. And if I have, if I do go in, I'll say to the people, listen, I've got to rest, and <laughs> I could shout something out. So it's just a case of like living, like living it. Hey. Paul, it, it would be a terrible sin if we spent all this time together, and I didn't ask you about your photography. Your, right, your photography is hey. really lovely, and I, I'm, I'm really keen to understand uh, how did you come across photography? How did you learn it? Uh, I've, in the makings of Employable Me, I met the lovely Nancy Doyle, and she took me through a load of uh, tests. Uh, I found out I was a visual thinker. I never knew I was a visual thinker. And part of my visual thinking is that uh, when I was younger, I enjoyed doing art. I got thrown out of art in the uh, with two years left at high school and never pursued it. But before my tremors kicked in, I used to be able to paint. I can't paint. So my wife, in her kindness, bought me a little compact camera to help me get out of the house. And I went out and I started taking photographs. And I didn't notice anything right away. But when my images came back, uh, 
you know, it, the, the image told the story. It led into it. I, I've, the, my aspect when I'm taking photographs is I'll go to a poppy field and I will kneel down in the poppy field and I want to get that feeling back when I was a child. You know, when you went out with your parents or your, your auntie and she took you to a shop and the counter was so high and you would, you would be looking, wondering what's right. over that. I, I wanted to get that perspective in my images, uh, you know, to bring back that feeling. And of it's wonder. there. It's very nostalgic, very magical. It, it, it really captures that magical innocence of a, a kinder world. <clears throat> and, and I think I also want to capture something in my images where people could feel they could touch or, or go into it. Uh, I've took some images that have been placed in care homes uh, where uh, people uh, live with dementia. And I wanted them to feel when they saw my images that they were, they could actually, every time they went back to it, they would see something different, you know, there'd be texture, uh, that they could feel maybe the, the breeze off, you know, just, just to stimulate the mind, because that's what, that's what I, I see when I'm taking the image. So, uh, but I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm no technical photographer. Uh, you know, I haven't studied photography. It's just, it's something that I get respite from and I get a lot of enjoyment from. So, so, so uh, are you saying like you, you would use like a lot of the automatic settings? Uh, yes. And, uh, and it just comes out beautifully because it's, it's your eye. And I, I dreamed the image. So I'd, this with my hand, with my hand tremors, Sadly, I can't hold the camera still anymore. Uh, and I'm like, no, please don't take away something from me that I, I need, you know. And anyway, so I've got a tripod. But I, I like to get low down in my images. So I'm usually, I'm one of those photographers that will see something. <clears throat> I'm walking along and I'll see something on the floor. And right, boom. You know, I'd, I'm not one where I won't set up an image right. in the sense of I'll go out to capture a sunset behind the church and the lights hitting the steeple. So I, I don't do things like that. I'm taken by the moment or I'll dream an image at night time where I want to go out and take a daisy from a, an ant's point of view. So do, do you get me? Absolutely. Like yes. <laughs> and I, I think geography is is both a, a beautiful and a terrible thing, Paul, I'd, I'd love sometime if we were ever in the same part of the world to just go on a photo walk together. Uh, I, I would really, enjoy, I'm an avid photographer myself and I, I would just, I, I would really enjoy being in that moment and, and seeing the world as, as, as you're seeing it and, and uh, just sharing that love well, of photography. I'm so envious. I mean, you live in a beautiful, varied country, uh, you know, from up north to down south. I'd love to go, to Monument Valley, is that the right name for it? Monument Valley. I haven't, I haven't been there. It's it's a really large country, and there's so many, there's well, so many things to see here. It, I'm in the southeastern it. part of it, yeah. and I've spent most of my life just along that thin strip of the east coast. Right. Uh, Monument Valley is just to do with that. You could take an image, uh, and the the shadows, the light changes so much, and every time I see photographs of it, I'm like, that's got to go on my bucket list. So it's up there. Hey. All right. So Monument Valley, we have to have a, we have to have a, a rendezvous there, a creative rendezvous. Hey. Oh, Definitely. So I, I, I know there's a joke in there somewhere too. An, an autistic <laughs> man and a man with Tourette's walk into a bar. Yeah. 
man. <laughs> we'll have to figure out the punchline later. Yeah, <laughs> I'm laughing because my chick, hey, my chicks had come up with a solution right away. Oh yeah, tell me. <laughs> no. No. Okay. Hey. No, it's just uh, I can't give it free reign. If I give it free reign, okay. Uh, I don't know people listening in or anything like that. Hey. So I try. I'm happy to suppress my tics. Oh, you don't have to. You're you're among friends here, so. Right, good Paul, we, we've had an absolutely lovely time speaking together, and I'm so right. grateful to you for, for right. coming onto this podcast and telling us a little bit about your life and, and your community. I'm, I'd really love it if sometime um, you could check back in with us and, and talk about some other yeah. things that are important to you as well. That'd be brilliant, yeah. Hey, I'd, uh, yeah, definitely. I nearly went off on another subject <laughs> So, Paul, if, if people are listening to this now and they want to connect with you or uh, follow your work, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, I'm on Facebook. I, I have my images on Facebook, Paul Stevenson. Uh, 500px, uh, Paul Stevenson. And Viewbug, Paul Stevenson. And Goldie Look Fleece. So I've got a Lancashire accent, so this is... <clears throat> It's all one word. It's not golden. It's Goldie. Look, fleece. All one word on Twitter. Okay, and and I'll collect all of those from you. We'll get it into the show notes so that anybody listening to this now uh, can refer back to the show notes and and see all of your lovely work everywhere and and follow. If uh, if if they go on hashtag my Tourette's, uh, I know other people use the hashtag, but I mainly put my humorous vocal tips on there to share with people. So. All right. So, so we'll Twitter. follow that as well. Right. Thanks so much, Paul. Um, Thank you, Magnus. For the rest of the uh, Neuroverse community, I'm yeah. very grateful to you for hanging out with us today. Uh, we don't know what next week will bring. I've got some ideas, but I, I am hoping to release these episodes on a weekly cadence uh, and hear some more voices from across the Neuroverse. If you enjoyed what you heard today and want to support the show, I encourage you to go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash groctopus, and I'll have that in the show notes. Um, our patrons do get to hear our episodes early, and uh, but the episodes will always be free to everybody after a few days. Thank you so much. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.